The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to IMC. Delighted to be here today with you and practicing together. Contemplating death, awakening to life, um, is the topic for today, for our day long together. And I would say it's one of my favorite topics to explore and teach and practice. It's been really, really powerful in my own practice and also in my teaching. Um, before I say more, how many people are relatively new to IMC? Are new, relatively new. Keep your hands up. Great, great, wonderful. Welcome, welcome. Terrific. Welcome, and thanks for your courage to come to a day long on, on um, contemplating death. They're here assisting devices. If Yeah. Great, great. So, <clears throat> so f- where to start? I wanted to, um, you know what? Maybe the place to start is um, just to start with a um, little um, settling meditation, just so that we all arrive. It's been a really stormy, rainy day. It's been pretty treacherous on the highway. Maybe we're contemplating our own death on the highway. (laughs) I was a little bit. (laughs) It was pretty bad. My windshield were going as fast as possible, and it was still pretty hard to see. Um, So let's just arrive, and I'll do a little guided meditation to to help us settle and just get here, and then we'll start. So, ah, arriving, settling in your body. Allowing your back to have a sense of integrity, your back being pretty straight, Your feet being flat on the floor if you're sitting on the chair. Your shoulders perhaps rolled back a tiny bit and your, your hands resting on your lap or touching each other. Relax, as relaxed as possible. Allowing your body, the muscles of your body to be as soft and relaxed as possible. In fact, with every out-breath, as the out-breath moves out, softening and relaxing some more into the body. With each in-breath, as the breath moves in, allowing more aliveness, more wakefulness to come in and with every out-breath, allowing the body to relax some more, to arrive, to settle, to be here. 
to put down, to let go of what has preoccupied you, perhaps, the process of getting here this morning. And just for now, bowing to it all, putting it down. And just allowing the breath to move in and out of your body. And simply letting your attention, your awareness rest. Rest with the sensations of breathing, like a lullaby, like a soothing lullaby. Nowhere to go, nothing to do in this moment, but just to sit, just to sit. And let the breath breathe itself. So simple, yet so intimate. And so precious, so lovely to be intimate with this experience of sitting and breathing in its simplicity. And if you find your thoughts wander to plans, memories, stories, it's okay. You're not doing this practice wrong at all. Just simply notice, just simply notice what the mind is resting on right now. And without judgment, 
without berating yourself or your mind, just simply inviting the awareness, the attention back to this moment right here, right now, sitting with the breath, being present in this precious moment of being alive right here, right now. We often forget the beauty, the intimacy, the power, the preciousness of this very moment right here. how precious it is right here, right now, when we really, really inhabit, inhabit this moment, inhabit this moment with our awareness. Fully becoming present right here, right now. This moment, this body. Often vying for a moment that's past or one that hasn't come yet in our mind and missing out on this moment right here. So I invite you to simply rest, simply rest. Resting with your body relaxed, your muscles soft, your forehead unentangled, your shoulders relaxed, your belly soft, whole body relaxed, and just resting, resting in this moment, right here, this moment of being alive, right here, right now, which has never been, has never been, and will never repeat. And by bringing attention, awareness to this moment right here. Not so much laser focus attention, but soft, expansive attention. Resting, resting in this moment. Noticing how it feels expansive. How it can feel. How it may feel. expansive. And perhaps even joyful or delightful, just right here, right now.
And now I'd like to invite you to notice as you breathe in and breathe out, or rather, as the breath breathes itself in and out. It's not so much you doing it. It happens on its own. So as you're sitting and the breath is breathing itself, notice, bring your attention to the sense of aliveness in your body, in your mind. This feeling, energetic feeling of being alive. Again, not so much laser-focused looking for it, but just relaxing into it, into the knowledge of it. You are alive. There is this power, this energy of aliveness moving through you. Through your veins, through your heart, through your mind. This energetic, electrifying feeling of being alive. No matter how old or young you are, no matter your state of health right now, there is this feeling of aliveness that is present. Because you are alive. Tuning into that frequency as if it were turning your attention to this feeling of energy wakefulness aliveness running through you
And realizing that this spark, this aliveness, whatever it is, this gift, this precious gift of being alive that's running through your veins, running through you, This divine gift is shared by all the people in this room sitting with you. This mysterious thing called life flowing through your veins, flowing through you. And it's a gift not to be taken for granted and not to feel entitled to. This aliveness is a gift. This life force, it's a gift. It's like a little bird that perhaps sits on your shoulder for a little while and sings to you and then leaves as all birds do. They take flight. And this too is a gift. for a limited time, to be appreciated, to be seen. It's aliveness, a gift, a blessing, for a limited time alone. Because that is nature, that is nature of life. It is nature of life. It is its nature. To have this gift of aliveness just for a while. To receive the gift with gratitude and an open hand. and appreciation. And to be at ease, to let go. when the gift is no longer given. 
So, so the guided meditation turned out to be more than just settling. As you figured, it was an exploration. It's, you seemed ripe for it. The room seemed settled enough to start our exploration into aliveness. This feeling of being alive, this gift, this amazing, whatever it is, this mystery, this mystery of being alive, having agency in the world, being able to do and make decisions and and have consciousness, have awareness, this amazing gift of being alive. And to really see it as a gift, not as a sense of entitlement, but as a gift. So that's, a, that's our entry into our exploration together, which I trust will be very rich. So as you may already know, my name is Nikki Mergafori. And as I mentioned before we started, the guided meditation is, um, this is one of my favorite topics to teach. Um, both in terms of my own practice and also what I've taught. Um, I've taught three uh, death contemplation retreats, actually, seven days. We're just doing one day. So seven days, in, in which allowed us to, to go pretty deeply at Spirit Rock. I, uh, I taught with Eugene Cash, and we developed a seven-day um, uh, death contemplation retreat. Very rich. And also I've taught these day-longs previously. Um, and what I love about them is that it's real. Death is real. It's, it's, you know, and we keep it real through the, through, through the explorations today. And it can be quite transformative. In fact, in the past, whenever I've taught the, ret- the, the day-longs and retreats, I've had insights myself. Um, just want to share with you actually uh, about um, well actually before I tell you why about my own practice why this is this is so precious and interesting to me in a more personal way I just want to give you a heads up about the day what to expect of the day so we're um, the day will be a mixture of me speaking talking, giving a little Dharma talks here and there. I, I try not to speak for long periods to put you to sleep, uh, but speak, you know, to, to share ideas uh, for cognitive engagement, for, for you to consider different perspectives, different aspects. That's one aspect of our, interact, our, our exploration today. What I found to be also very helpful, very, um, uh, in, in a different way, uh, helping the process of contemplation is not just guided meditations for you to experience, but also some um, conversations and interactive exercises. And if I just said this and you're like, Ooh, interactive exercises, um, we'll be very careful with each other today. And I will be setting them up very, very carefully and and with the invitation for all of us to be tender with ourselves and really careful with each other 
because this can be a very tender topic and also respecting your own limit of when it makes sense to you know, uh, pause your engagement and um, with respect to, to the interaction, um, etc. So, so with all of that, I, I do invite you to participate as much as you can because I found the participations to be really deepening in, in the practice. Being held witness as you speak can be extremely powerful. In fact, many of the insights that I've had as I've been teaching them, myself engaging in these exercises with others, is I get to see something I hadn't seen before through the interaction, through the exploration of being held witness and speaking out loud instead of just thinking the idea. Some, something else happens. So just to tell you that is part of our, our um, uh, day long today, which will help deepen. Um, we might have some writing exercise uh, today, so um, we'll see how the timing goes, and we'll grab pencils and, and paper if you don't have anything with you. And there will be plenty of time also, another way that I like to teach, just to give you a heads up for those of you who don't know, I like to invite a lot of questions and reflections from the room because there's a lot of um, group wisdom and group shared understanding that can come from the group and I will speak to them. So it will be a co-creation of this day long. I don't like me to be on the pedestal and blah, 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 just blah, blah, blah to you and you just hear and go home. It's really an interactive. So we co-create this day of exploration together. I found in my teaching it ends up being a lot richer than just the listening. Um, just the, all of those aspects put together make for a much richer exploration um, because you're here already, you're spending the time, so you might as well really get as much out of it as possible. So using all of those modalities uh, for our exploration together, together today. So, so with that, um, yeah, I'll say a couple of words about about how this is a special practice to me. Um, and I will say more throughout the day instead of just front-loading it all. But um, So I've practiced death contemplation um, both, both formally as a formal practice that, that I will share with you, I'll teach you today, uh, on the cushion uh, as, as a meditation, as a meditative exercise, um, and also as a big part of my life. Uh, there have been numerous occasions, I won't go into the stories, but there have been um, at least two occasions where I thought, okay, uh, this is it. Okay, goodbye life. This is it. The next moment I'm not going to be alive. Um, and one happened when I was a teenager, actually. Um, and one happened um, later in life. And those were quite profound for me, just really becoming face-to-face with, 
with my mortality and um, in the moment making peace with it. And also there, there has been many loved ones that I've lost um, and sitting with them, being with them has been really a process of, of loving and letting go. And in fact, I hadn't quite planned this day long this way, or maybe subconsciously I did, but um, the, um, my mom passed away a year ago last week. So last week was the, on Wednesday, was the one-year anniversary of, of her passing. And, um, and the last month of her life, um, she, she was in my home and I was with her every day she, when she was in hospice. And just the process of loving her and letting her go and making peace with her passing, with her going, uh, her transitioning, um, it, it was a wondrous, I, I miss her, I love her dearly, and, um, and it was a peaceful, um, loving transition, In yeah, I can say more about that, but, um, so yeah, so so death. The first thing I want to share about about it perhaps is that it is natural. It really is natural. It's nature. As we were exploring in our guided meditation, it is natural. It is natural to die. It is natural to 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 be born. It's natural to die. It's as natural as the grass growing. It's as natural as the leaves falling. There is nothing unnatural about death. And in our culture, we tend to push it away. We tend to, we have an antagonistic relationship with death. We're scared of it. It's an awful thing. It's not. It's natural. It's the most natural thing for this body to die. Of course it is. There's nothing unnatural about it. The most natural thing. And when we don't have this fear, this horror, this hatred of this natural phenomena, we actually get to be very present for it and appreciate this mystery, this amazing mystery that is occurring to... I mean, the death is a mystery, and I like uh, to treat it today, to to approach it with a sense of both complete naturalness, completely natural, and mysterious, with a sense of awe. We don't really know what's happening. And as I share this, the process, I'm reminded with the process of my mom's passing, because there was no fear. She was not afraid. It was quite, it was very clear. There was no fear. She had peace, complete peace. And she was smiling and loving everyone who came to visit her at the end. And that created a space also for everyone else to be at peace. And I think for me also, having done this practice for a long time, 
I loved her and I was at peace with her passing. So we could be there to appreciate, to really appreciate this process, this transitioning into this mystery for both of us, lovingly, holding each other's hand. She held my hand through it as I held her hand through it. Just being fully present with love. Because there was no fear, no unjustness. It's, it's just this is part of life. This is part of life. This is part of life. So that allows actually appreciating the mystery and really being with the mystery. And I would even add one more thing to it. I would even add sometimes, sometimes we can be lucky in that, the process of someone's passing that we love. Introducing or or bringing about us becoming closer to the mystery itself, to the divine, whatever, however you define that, but kind of the distance, the difference between this world, this physical world that we know, and the mystery, the mystery that we don't know, and we can't fathom, but somehow it can become more gauzy, it can more become transparent. There's just a feeling that wasn't there before, as if a portal opens when somebody passes. That kind of we can kind of touch into it a little bit. Not with grasping, but just kind of like, ah, there is more to this life, to this mystery, to this death that than we're afraid of. In fact, it feels beautiful and mysterious and wondrous when there isn't that sense of fear and dread. So, and you know, we all, we all have a relationship with death. We all have known it in different ways. I think the first time I got to know death was when I was four or five years old, maybe four, maybe younger. I had a pet chick. It was really, really cute. And I remember loving that pet chick. And I remember holding it and it died. It, it actually, I did not have a concept of death as maybe four, yeah, four, maybe even three. It slept and it never woke up. So we all have our different relationships to death, starting from a young age with, with people and, and, and perhaps pets we've cared for throughout our life. And death is actually much more intimate than we realize it. It's been a part of our lives. And, and yet, what's interesting is um, from the Hindu epic Mahabharata legend, um, the wise men Yudhisthira is asked, what is the most amazing thing in all life? This wise man is asked. And the wise man says that a man seeing others die 
all around him never thinks he will die. gender specific but you can that it, let's make it that a person seeing others die all around him never thinks they will die um, it's pretty amazing actually come to think of that also right we we are intimate with death in so many ways it happens in our lives and yet we don't think that we're going to die it's never going to happen to us so there are so many aspects of this 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 exploration we're going to do today together, both about the death of people we know as well as making peace or or um, or having the appreciation more ease with our own death. So in order to kind of start stepping into the space, slowly, slowly, gradually together, I like to bring this natural, this, this death a little closer and Having talked about it a little bit, I want to invite us into an exploration now together. So, so the way I'll, I would like to invite us to engage in this is um, we'll get into, it's an exploration into uh, in groups of three or four, okay? And I encourage you to participate, please, unless it really feels not supportive for you, and, and respect that also. And also, if you do participate, and you, you're listening, and you're, you're, or maybe it's an, you're even speaking, and at some point you realize you've really got to your edge, and maybe it's not really supportive for you to continue to speak, you can just bow, and other people will hold you in kindness. Because today... We need to hold each other with tenderness and kindness. This can be a tender topic. So please hold yourself with tenderness and care, okay? And hold each other with tenderness and care. And actually right now I'd like to ask you, what does it mean for you to hold yourself with care? And be kind to yourself as we explore this. And what does it mean for you to be kind and tender with others as they explore something that might be very tender and difficult for them? How can you make space for them? Hold space of kindness and understanding. Through all in this boat together, exploring this tender topic together, right different places with it. Okay, so in a moment I will ask you, but actually before I ask you, I'm going to set up how it's going to be, because this is a practice, really, it's not just blah, 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 speak, but it's really a practice. So, in the groups of three, or let's say groups of three ideally, I don't know if we're divisible by three, but we'll see how that goes. Um... The question is, the, the, the prompt rather is, what has been your experience with death? What is your relationship to death? Um, and you can bring in what your relationship is right now. I'm really scared of it. I hate it. I lost someone. It was traumatic. You know, whatever it is. Or, or the people who have passed in your life, maybe, you know, fr- from an early age, maybe 
you had a pet that passed away who died when you were young and that's the first, that's what has formed your experience of death maybe in your family it was hush hush it was never talked about so it's this thing that's a, something that you never talk about like what is your relationship to death what is your history and in that way we're trying to make it more visible to ourselves what is our relationship what what forms our conditioning right a lot of things are our conditioning is not something you have chosen right you haven't chosen your parents you haven't chosen your family you haven't chosen your genes your body none of you are not given a menu like oh yep i want this i want that i want i want this family i want to be born here i want this kind of a culture to be born in anyone given a menu please yes no right none of us were given the choice all of these causes and conditions, all of these things have happened to us, right? So to bring consciousness and awareness to this is what the conditioning has been. This has been, ah, the conditioning that this being that is me. Oh, I see it more clearly. Maybe the reason why I can't even, maybe the reason why I'm here today is because of all these things that have happened. It's interesting, look at that, right? So bringing more conscious, more awareness to our history. And just to say, when you're held witness and somebody and other alive human beings are, are listening to you, it's very empowering. You get to see, you get to hear things you may not have noticed before, the connections. And also to say, when you're speaking, you're really speaking, you're doing this practice for your own benefit. They are ser- the people who are listening to you are serving you as human mirrors, just holding a kind space. They're not interrupting, they're not saying me too, they're not saying anything, they're just holding space for you to share as much as you're comfortable. For you to be held witness, it's so precious and valuable to have, to have other people who can hold you witness without interrupting, okay? It's a monologue for a few minutes. And again, you're speaking just for your own benefit. And if tears come, it's okay, respect them. Speak with the tears, that's part of your experience. Be true to it, be honest to it, honor it. You don't have to push away tears. This is a very tender topic. It's okay. Bring it in. Stay real. You don't have to just speak from your head. Like, Speak from your whole body when you're speaking. Be embodied. Allow the words to come up from your body, not from your head when you're speaking, as much as possible. Okay. And when you're listening... Holding a kind presence, holding a specially tender presence today, not interrupting, not asking clarifying questions. This is not for you, okay? Just holding witness for this kind, for this other human being, just like you who's exploring their being human and dying, living and dying, loving and losing in this world, okay? So just holding kind presence. Does that make sense? Any questions about the setup, about the structure? Please, question. Um, I 
it would be useful if you could say a little bit more about um, how to hold witness. Because um, I'm presently feeling a little scared. Yeah. And I have noticed that um, we do those exercises a lot at IMC. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how to do it. And I felt um, hurt many times. Mm. Um, and I think there isn't really clarity. You know, it's when you say hold witness, I think yeah. it's a little vague. Right. So if there were things you could say to help and explain, yeah. right. that right. would be helpful. It might be helpful also for me. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for speaking about that. And um, tell me, what would have been helpful for you in those situations that was absent, that would have helped you feel more held? Like, if you can share that with me, then that would help everyone, and me too. I guess one example would be um, feeling that someone is not present, like they are just waiting to speak. Ah. Um, Great point. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Great. I'll, let me speak to that and I'll ask you again. So that's a great one. Yes. Holding space is exactly that. that thank you. I'll unpack it. Which means you're fully present to hold witness, to listen to the other person. You're offering the biggest gift you have, which is your attention, is an act of generosity. Right, we come here at IMC to practice generosity and cultivate our heart. And being present, instead of thinking what you're going to say next, is an act of generosity. Trust that when your turn comes, you whatever needs to kind of come out of your mouth will come out of your mouth. Trust that. So developing trust is another aspect of practice. Trust that it will all be okay. Be completely present, and whatever needs to happen will happen. Right? Like life. If you're completely present for this moment and you trust whatever happens in the next moment will, will happen, then you're actually appreciating this moment instead of like being anxious in this moment and then anxious in the next moment. It doesn't work, right? So this, this can be a practice of, of the, a micro practice to take into the macro world of presence and patience. Thank you for that. Anything else that would be helpful? I think I find that um, you know so I understand not speaking not interrupting not saying me too Um, but you know outside of here in life that's not how we were raised or we're used to um, interact and so I think that some people are lost as to if they can't do that, then what can they do? And then it just feels like it's a wall. Ah, okay, that's good. Thank you for that. So let me give instructions about that. Perfect. So this is a sandbox. So it does feel, it can feel unnatural when you're not saying, "Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, me too, how about you, like asking questions. So what do you do instead? So what you do, which actually this can be a really amazing practice, is when, when something is said that you want to say me too or, or you really feel touched, giving metta, really feel, uh, holding the other person with kindness, act, actively. 
So it's not through words, it's through active, like, ah, allowing your heart to be broken, to be open, like, oh, this sounds so hard. Like, you, you feel it. You, you, you um, resonate with them in a nonverbal way. So there is no wall, there's complete connection. But it allows their process, their verbal process to continue. Okay? Is that clear? Great. Thank you. This was helpful to set it up more carefully. Okay. So, if you came here today with someone, I suggest you don't be in a group with them. Speak with people you don't know. Okay? And it's best to be on the same level. All three in the chair or all three on the floor, please. And um, and I will time you. So I will s- say, you know, first person, please start. And then I will ring the bell. We'll take a pause, second person, third person. Okay. And then re- again, remember, speaking from your heart, from your body, being empo- embodied, not from your head. And listening is particularly important, as we just outlined, holding a kind space. And giving the person your full attention, because a lot of times you'll actually the the, the listening ex- exercise can be as fruitful or as opening as your own speaking. It can be really powerful. Let yourself be surprised. Heraclitus says, "Expect the unexpected; otherwise, you won't find it." So there. Trust, trust and, and I invite you to give yourself fully to this practice and let yourself be surprised, okay? And the prompt again, what you're exploring is, what is your relationship to death? Memories that you have, what um, perhaps from childhood, perhaps the most profound experiences you've had with other people dying or or maybe the experiences you've had. What is your relationship to death? So exploring that. And um, and I will feel the room. I usually feel the room to see how it's going in terms of timing. But just to say you'll have, let's say, around five minutes. So there's enough time to kind of explore, okay? To kind of get into a few things. All right? So please, please um, find groups of, find other people. I want to ask you, um, what what is... What did you notice? What, what was this like for you? What did you notice either speaking or hearing others or the gestalt of hearing and, and speaking through this exercise of exploring your relationship to death? <coughs> there was a lot of talking, you guys. <laughs> Don't be shy. Yes. I just want to say, and I said this in the group, how curious I am. And how, you know, I would want to hear every one of you talk to me about death and what you think about it. And I just appreciated my partners so much just for that chance to talk about it. Mm. 
Thank you. It's something we don't often talk about in public or in, in our lives. Sometimes it can feel like a taboo topic to talk about that. So, ah, it can actually be wonderful to talk about this natural thing that, that, is, that happens to the people we love and it will happen to us. So thank you for bringing that into the room, Noel. That appreciation of having the conversation. What else? What else came up for you back there? <clears throat> not not having any expectations about what we were going to talk about or even what I was going to ta- say. Uh, I was uh, struck by the diversity of experience, um, yeah. and of the range of experience, for both, from abrupt and violent to mm-hmm. gentle and natural to late in life early you know there's just a, a range of yeah. um, experiences across just yeah. three people yeah. and and how that resulted in different conceptions and different feelings yeah. in your own life yeah thank you yeah over here please thank you I most appreciated the framing of the group ahead of time, the questions that the one woman asked, and the um, preparation for tenderness uh, was extremely helpful. And I bow to my two partners. It was a wonderful experience. I think because death is such a private conversation in our culture, I was amazed at um, knowing that I'm not alone in my grief. Mm. I'm not alone in my wonder. Mm. And that everybody's walking through some version of it because it's touched us all. I appreciate the common humanity of it that you bring up, that it's, we're all walking through some version of it, and it's often private and unspoken. Yeah, but it's alive, really, for all of us, and unspoken. So the chance to make the unseen, unspoken, spoken in a safe, tender space to explore. Because sometimes in our most intimate circles, yeah. our families, when we're going through it, there's not that space. Yeah. There's not that tenderness. Yeah. Yeah. And as true as that is, as we cultivate, as we start to cultivate that space for ourselves, to start to gently perhaps 
dreaming that someday we can hold that space for people in our family that we hold dear to have those conversations too. Because it is possible, at least with some family members, it is possible to create that space and and it is um you know it is it is said that <clears throat> you know if, if people can can take um you know they they can <laughs> react based on how also you're reacting how you're holding the space too so they take cues from how you so if you start to change and hold something differently consciously that will that can affect the dynamics, the family systems, instead of waiting for them. Like, like it, so just dropping that as a contemplation moving forward, as a hope. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Over here, please. I... Uh, just a couple things in this moment about life, about death. Um, I'm not at all in peace about um, my own aging, dying process or those who are close to me. When I hear you speak about feeling at peace with your, I think it was your... My mom. Your mom. It's like so difficult for me to relate to because yeah. I'm um, so attached and, and fearing them not being in this planet anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me also just not really in peace with my own life. And so the two, yeah, I'm not in peace with my own life, which makes aging, um, with the prospect of aging daunting. Um, life becoming possibly more difficult. Um, and when you speak about the the gift of life, um, I have a really hard time relating to that, like mm-hmm. myself and then others who I know who um, have a lot of suffering and struggle. Yeah. As I say that, it's like a... I end up, I think about, oh, all my privileges, and that's true, and yet there's yeah. a lot of suffering. And, of course. Um, I even have a little bit of, like, getting annoyed or brussled by, like, this uh, idea that, not that you're saying it should, but you're making a statement about the gift of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just hard for me to relate to. It's a nice idea Great. to yeah. imagine... Yeah. having that relationship yeah. to life. And yeah. um, I mean, I I have a practice of right. aiming to be with things as they are, yeah. however they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it, it brings up some grief and sadness yeah. around yeah. Uh, not having that sort of experience of um, oh, this is amazing. I yeah. appreciate being here, what's right. showing up. Um, so I'm also curious, perhaps, if you can share from um, a Buddhist perspective mm-hmm. your experience or understanding of 
uh, life as a gift. Yeah. Um, I'll pause there. Right. Yeah, yeah. I so appreciate everything that you brought in, everything that you said. Completely welcome. Com- this is the place for it. Exactly. Everything you said is is perfect. Is exactly as it needs to be. It doesn't have to be any different for what you what you're saying and what you're experiencing. I want to say a few things before sh- um, answering the direct question about the Buddhist perspective, which is part of this too. One is, um, you know, if someone had told me. 10, 20 years ago that I would have peace with my mother's passing. It, it would be a completely impossible concept. Um, and for me, it was really something that happened over time and, and, and even through the last month of her life, I would say. So, so um, dreading her death was a part of my experience too for a long time. So it wasn't that I was always in the place I was. So I completely understand, not compl- I mean, I'm not you, but I get what you're saying in my own way of like dreading. Or, and also, I, I didn't always have peace with my own death. It's been the process. It's been a process through the, through the practice. And there have been lots of different versions of it throughout the years. And, and also what you're describing, what you're speaking into. I mean, that's why we're having this day long. It, we don't start from a place of peace. It's a cultivation practice. Um, and we often actually start from what psychologists call, um, they put death under what's called ter- terror management theory. So terror management theory is that there is, the psyche has so much of terror of death. It's like it either... Um, completely ignores it, completely tunes it out. Don't want to think about it, la, 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 it's not happening, right? Completely tuning it out. Or, com- or, or being really terrified by it, having scary dreams, etc. So, So having peace, I think, with one's death or death of loved ones, it, especially in our culture, is more... Um, is more the um, the exception than the norm. So I really appreciate you bringing that into the room because you're bringing the norm into the room, which is great. N- that needs to be present. That reality, that needs to be present here also as we explore. And now I want to get to the part that you're saying, this feeling of relating to, to life as a gift, given that it has so much suffering, feels foreign, feels difficult. And I appreciate that also. Um, so in the Buddhist perspective, life has 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And suffering is a part of life. Suffering is not equivalent to life, is not life, but it's a part of life. Joys are part of life too. And in the, human, in the Buddhist perspective, um, a human birth is considered a precious human birth is considered very precious, and um, it is said that again, if in, in um, if one believes in rebirth, it's said something like, if you were a turtle and if you're in the ocean for eons, and um, I, I forget exactly how it runs, but but something like if you would come up 
every whatever every i don't know 100 years up for breath or something anyway so 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 having a precious human birth is so rare you would be reborn as so many other things for so long so so many times that having a precious human birth is so rare that it's a precious opportunity now why is it a precious opportunity in the buddhist cosmology it's because when you're in the higher when they're in the ro- lower realms of peta realms they're called where there is so much suffering or either in the hell realms or animal realms there is no opportunity for waking up it's just suffering through and through period if you get reborn in the heavenly realms it is so joyous and fun that there's not enough suffering to kind of wake you up to kind of turn your mind to to development, to personal development. So it is thought that the human birth is so precious because it's a balance of joys and sorrows. It has both the suffering and it also has the gifts and, and the joys. And it's kind of balanced, the balanced opportunity for us to wake up. So it becomes a practice of working with the suffering and recognizing and appreciating joys. Um, and that's, that's part of the practice. Thank you. Yeah. So there's a lot more I like to share with you. And thank you for all the comments and reflections. But I did promise a bio break. So let's take the bio break. It's about 10, 15 minutes.